feel the heat of the game. The crunching tackles, the near misses and diving headers. Feel the drive from the sidelines. Feel the passion of your captain. Feel the celebrations. Feel the last-minute heartache. And the penalty save that changes everything. Feel the heat of the game from the comfort of your own home with OPC Energy Limited. For more information on heat pump servicing and breakdowns, renewable energy and more, visit opc-ltd.uk. The Goal Radio Football Show with OPC Energy Limited. Hosted by Rob McLean, Stephen Cragen and John Hartson. Call now and voice your opinion. 0808 1717 700. Let's go! Che Sarah Sarah could be a new line in the Tartan Army songbook as Southampton striker Che Adams has called up to the Scotland squad today. Uncapped Kevin Nisbet and Jack Hendry are also included, but there's no place for Griffiths or Turnbull or Shankland or Nathan Patterson. But John Hartson, what about Shea Adams? Does he do it for you? I think the the times I've seen him, Rob, he looks uh, he looks powerful, um, quick. Um, he, he's not sort of pulling up any trees down at Southampton, but uh, you know he's pleased. He's when he does play, he's playing at the highest level. He's playing in the Premier League. Uh, he looks a good player, and I just think it, it could be a surprise element. I think for for Steve Clark, he could come into the group, find himself you know in in the team or coming off the bench. All of a sudden, he scores a couple of goals yeah. and he makes himself a hero. I think always you you got to throw one or two in surprise players, and I think he's certainly a surprise. But uh, I think the Scotland fans will, will like what they see. As I said, he's, he's a powerful boy. Scotland need a goal scorer. That is for sure. The stay-at-home message continues to be hammered home by Celtic and Rangers to their fans to make sure that Sunday's big game goes ahead. Meanwhile, moves are afoot to have both Rangers and Celtic's B teams drafted into League Two for next season. Fixtures for League One and Two this season have been published. Uh... So 18 games to be played uh, between now and the 23rd of April. Maybe, Crags, or maybe the deadline goes a little bit longer. Yeah, it, it's going to be tough for some clubs because some clubs have only played eight games at the minute, so they have to try and squeeze 10 games in uh, in that period of time. I think some teams in the top of League One, Falkirk, Partick Thistle, Airdrie, possibly have played 11, so they've only got seven to squeeze in. So let's hope we, you know, it, it can be completed. Ultimately, that's what everybody wants. It's going to be big pressure put on the lower league players going from work to playing football to have a little recovery to playing again and considering they haven't played for quite a long time you know the main issue could be injuries but of course they have to be tested as well so if there's any negative tests in there Rob it could set them back but let's hope the season gets finished Other news Aberdeen will use Sir Alec Ferguson as a sounding board pretty impressive sounding board you would think ahead of replacing Derek McInnes as manager and they're not in a hurry Uh, they want to get that appointment absolutely right between now and uh, the start of next season no noise at all out of Celtic Park about their plans for life after Neil Lennon lots to talk about on the show some stuff we haven't even touched on as yet and uh, you can and be part of it uh, as always on the Go Radio Football Show with OPC Energy Limited. Rob McLean here, Stephen Cragen here, uh, John Hartson here, all present and correct. On the socials, you can get in touch at Go Football Show. Uh, text Go and your message to 87474. The phone number you know well is 0808 
17 17 700. Do you want to talk about football? Well, we certainly do on the day that uh, Stevie Clark named his squad for the upcoming Scotland internationals. They are World Cup qualifiers. They're not, they're not warm-up games for the Euros, uh, although it is all about getting Scotland in shape for that tournament as well and hopefully taking the first step uh, towards uh, another qualification. Maybe they come along like buses qualifications. You wait 23 years for one and then you make it two in two years. We shall see. The upcoming games are against Austria, Israel and the Faroe Islands. And uh, it wasn't the best uh, kept secret, I guess, as to who was going to be uh, joining up uh, among the strikers. Southampton's Che Adams is in. He spoke to Scotland. I think Alex was the manager four years ago. Uh, four years ago, he'd have been 19, 20-year-old on the back of playing a couple of friendly matches for England under 20. So it's not, not as if he's got a long history with England. At that time, as a young man, he's playing in the English Championship. Obviously got his move to the English Premier League. Thankfully for us... Uh, I heard a little whisper last last week that he was had decided that he wanted to come on board. Things move very quickly, and, and I named Shane the squad. It's an area of the team that that we have to try and improve. And if it's somebody who's playing and scoring John Hartson in the English Premier League, then he's got to be of interest in a Scotland squad in which you look around the names and there ain't many goals there. No, there aren't. You know, you look at Lyndon Dykes, um, not particularly. Uh, doing great things at QPR Ryan Fraser been in and out of Newcastle's team this season Ollie McBurney you know, I've seen Ollie McBurney being left out as well he had the big money move from Swansea and it was £20 million um, you know what you get from Ollie McBurney tall gangly Runs in behind, you know, decent in the air, but not 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 a goal scorer. No, Robert. No. At times this season, Sheffield United have been playing with uh, Rian Brewster and um, and Billy Sharp. Yeah. Billy Sharp's about forty nine years of age now, <laughs> so you know to not be in the team. Kevin Nisbet is probably at a lower, you know, I say a lower level in the Scottish Premiership. Mm. You know, doing the best out of them in terms of scoring goals. Let's uh, just list the squad actually before we go any further because you might not have heard the full thing uh, because it was just named earlier on today. Uh, Craig Gordon, David Marshall and John McLaughlin are the goalkeepers. Uh, defensively, Andy Considine, Declan Gallagher, Grant Hanley, Jack Hendry who's playing his football in Ostend these days, ex of Dundee and Celtic. Scott McKenna, Stephen O'Donnell, Liam Palmer... Andy Robertson, Greg Taylor, Kieran Tierney, uh, midfielder Stuart Armstrong, Ryan Christie, John Fleck, Ryan Jack, John McGinn, Callum McGregor. John McGinn, of course, was on the show last night. Uh, Kenny McLean, Scott McTominay. Now, where will he play? He's playing for Man United in midfield. Will he still be part of a Scotland back three? We'll talk about that in the course of the show. And the strikers, the aforementioned uh, Che Adams, Lyndon Dykes uh, on the bench at the moment, I think for Queen's Park Rangers. Ryan Fraser, who I don't think is play, playing regularly either for Newcastle United. Ollie McBurney, we've just spoken about, um, who uh, ain't scoring goals for anybody. And Kevin Nisbet, who thankfully for Stevie Clark is back among the goals. He got his first in in two months yeah. uh, at Dingwall we were both there at the weekend Crags yeah you know John Senny has scored goals earlier this season I think he's got 2-13 and 13. you know he actually was in better form earlier in the season Steve Clark didn't pick him Yeah. so it seems strange yeah. that he's now arrived to pick him when his goals had dried up he hasn't started an awful lot of course he had the possibility of leaving on the transfer deadline day when it finished at the end of January uh, Jack Ross hasn't played him a lot since so he's certainly one that will come into the squad um I think Steve Clark will see him up close in training. And I think that's where you learn about your players, Rob. You know, that's why I'm surprised he hasn't included some of the younger ones, just to see them in training. 
because you can watch them in games and it isn't until sometimes you watch players up close every single day when you think maybe they're better than what you thought or maybe they're not as good as what you thought so you can make up your mind a little bit better you know but so looking at the squad in general would tell me that won't be far away from the group from the group that goes to the Euros of course there's some will have to come out of it I, I can't imagine Steve Clark throwing anyone in at the last minute this is the last chance to impress really for any squad players round about, can they get some minutes on the pitch to try and get into that European squad? But certainly, top end of the pitch, I mean, Che Adams now looks like the number one striker because he's scoring goals and he's playing, yeah. you know, he's playing in the best league. He's the one that's been delivering. So um, I think it's a huge bonus that someone wants to come and play for Scotland. Now, some people have said, oh, it's only because they've qualified. Well, that's what happens when you qualify. Yeah. Players who are in between whether they want to come and play for Scotland or not, qualifying for a major tournament makes up people's minds they want to play in the big games they want to play in the big tournaments so embrace it when it comes along because I think Steve Clark's been in charge of 16 games and only in 5 of those games have Scotland scored more than 1 goal and one of those games came against the, uh, Sam Raider when they scored 6 and what about Che Adams' attributes? Uh, an English Premier League striker in good goal scoring form plays for a good club he plays a good way I like his movement on the pitch he's a strong boy he's not tall but he's good in the air he can run the channels he's, he's, he's got a lot to his game that I think will make us a, will certainly make the squad better and hopefully will make the team better as well and, and that's what you've always got to try and do Does he go straight into the team John Hartson do you think? Probably on, on current form yeah you know um, Steve Clark just said it there himself that uh, He's scoring goals. He's playing in the Southampton team who are sinking, by the way. Um, they're now in a relegation battle. I think they were top of the league at the beginning of January. Southampton going really well. Um, so they're in a bit of a in a bit of a dogfight themselves. But who else is there? You know, the one well, name I would maybe throw in is is maybe a Lee Griffiths. No, yeah. uh, is it a, is Lee a type of player that if, if you're a goal down with 10, 15 minutes mm. to go, is it worth throwing? Lee Griffiths on but then again but he's not getting any game time at the no. club is he? No uh, not really but you know he, he, he is somebody that's performed mm. before for, for his country he's, he's had a poor year really in terms of it started really poorly for him he, he wasn't picked uh, personally I, I would have played him I would have played Lee Griffiths in the team this year for Celtic I think they missed his goals um, irrespective of the fact that he's not at his fittest I still think if you want him to get fit and score goals, you've got to play him every game. And, and I would have done that. That's only my opinion. I just but, wonder though, Craggs, if, if London Dykes has got to be the man in possession, the way Stevie Clark operates, I mean, he's done a, a really good job for him. Not always scoring goals, mm-hmm. of course. That's not entirely what his game is about. He does hold it up well. He brings other mm-hmm. people into the game. And, and is he, maybe he's the man in possession and, and that's the way Stevie Clark will look at it for the first game against Austria. Well, if that's the case, then you need a goal scorer beside him. You know, you don't need a Ryan Fraser who's going to play off him and so be you, creative. So do you play both? So you play both. Right. You know, that's why I would look at it. You know, playing Ryan Christie in behind, it will get goals none again. But if you if your main striker isn't a natural goal scorer, you need to play someone with him. Is Stevie Clark not a one-up person? Well, he'll have to be adaptable. You know, and if, if you want to play Lyndon Dykes and you think, well, he's not going to bring me goals, but I want to play Shea Adams, then, you know, he does bring me goals. It's something we'll have to look at. Mm. You know, in a big game, there's no point in doing it against the likes of the Faroe Islands because you know the good chances are both of them could score goals. But you need to do it in a, 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 in a real competitive fixture where one of them having to drop off as a number ten to fill in, you know, fill in and, and plug the gaps in midfield. So first and foremost, he's got options. He now can look and think, I can go with two up, I can go with one up. You know, I can play front three. So there's definitely options in that group and he's got other players who like Sir Ryan Christie and John McGinn who can play as the 10, Callum McGregor can play as the 10, Kenny McLean can play in there. So there's lots of options um, and everybody wants to come, everybody wants to play and they know at the end of it they've got the Euros and that's the key thing for them, Rob.
The one name that screams at me, John, because he's not in the squad, is David Turnbull. Yeah, I don't get that. Well, he's been he's been Celtic star man. He's he's been Celtic go to man um, since since December really, and uh, the team has been built around him. And and everybody is saying that the future should be built around players like David Turnbull. Um, Craig's knows him a lot better than I do. Obviously, seen him for years growing up at, at Motherwell. Um, and I, I'm shocked that that uh, David Turnbull's not in the squad. On on the back of his form, you know, irrespective of what uh, what Celtic have done this season, I think he's been a really good performer at a really good high level in the last four or five months. And and I, and I I really can't understand. I would have actually took him before Ryan Christie. Yeah, T- talking to Motherwell. Let's speak to Hugh and Lanark. Uh, Hugh, how are you? How are you guys all right? Yeah, very well, thanks. Are you, are you as surprised as we are that David Turnbull's not in that squad, Hugh? Uh, not surprised as Liam Kelly's not in the squad. That, that was a, a bigger shock, actually. First of all, just a quick question to Johnny. Hope that he's getting better, Johnny, because I uh, hope you can make golf day this year. Oh, um, thank you, mate. If listen, if my knee's got half a chance of playing golf, I'll be there. But uh, struggling at the minute. It's only been ten weeks, but there's a slow burner, mate. It's a slow burner. The, the, knee, the, knees are, the knees on the way back but his golf game, game is still on the way down you so <laughs> that, no, cha- no change with that one but, so you would have I'll tell you one thing you can fairly hit a ball I used to head a ball I played with him obviously John will remember us we played with uh, Rabin Matrika and Luch Dr. Lee and, and John's course there and he can fairly hit a, can hit a golf ball sure can so, <laughs> not always straight though no it wasn't always straight but it went no. a distance good to see you obviously on the recovery mate hope to see you oh, thank you mate so, 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 about, so, so who uh, who, who would Liam Kelly elbow out of that Scotland squad then in terms of the goalkeeping positions? Uh, well, definitely John McLaughlin because he's not really done anything for Rangers this year, has he? Especially previously. Liam Kelly's come into the whole squad that was struggling. And I've said on the show before, he's kept us in games. Yeah. He's made very important saves every single game. Against Hibs. He's into, I think it was Christian Deutsch. It's not even the way for him when he comes out straight himself made the save. Made the save last week down close to his right hand side against Libby. And I just think he's a far better goalkeeper than what John McLaughlin is. Now, is John McLaughlin there because he played some games for Rangers at the start of the season? When was the last time John McLaughlin played? That's what I look at. Yeah, it's been a while. Okay, let's get an answer then from Stephen Craig into Liam Kelly for the Scotland squad. Listen, if you're basing it on current form, absolutely Liam Kelly should have come into the thoughts of Steve Clark. But that squad alone tells me that Steve Clark has picked it on loyalty. He's picked a squad on people who've done well for him in the past, who have been loyal to him, have travelled, you know, around Europe in the squad and haven't maybe got on. So his his loyalty to those players is you know, I, I'm going to pick in this squad. I'm going to take you to the Euros. That's what he's basing it on. So, um, but if you're basing it on who's playing well at the minute, who's you know who's making the headlines, who's making big saves, Liam Kelly should be in the squad. Surely, then, Stephen, you pick players on 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 form, well, on, well, on merit. Well, yeah, I is, would. It, is it time to go to a no. European Championships and um, and and go, go down the sentimental role? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can do that with maybe one or two players mm-hmm. who you think are always your eight or nine out of tens. You can rely on them. They turn up for every squad. But you yeah, know, that, yeah, for me, but what else then, John? You, you pick on form. You pick players yeah, on form. I, I agree with you, but I'm saying, why else would then would Steve would uh, Steve Clark yeah. pick John McLaughlin? Yeah, that, absolutely. It has to be loyalty. But but you know, the message you surely want to be sending out to your top national league, the Scottish Premiership, is that if you're playing well, mm. um, 
in front of Scottish fans, well, not at the moment, unfortunately, but Scottish fans watching and you're, you're playing well, you, you should be in, not, not based on what happened three months ago. Absolutely. I'm a big believer in that. I think you pick players on merit, you pick players on form. And, uh, you know, Che Adams, for instance, he comes in, you know, he's new to the group. He's picking him on form. Uh, and as I, I, I'm struggling to, to, uh, to understand why John McLaughlin's in uh, be, simply because he's hardly played. Mm. He's hardly played. You know, he can't be sharp. No. I mean, he had a great shutout record, didn't he, when he was mm. playing in the first two or three months of the season. But it's been a while since Alan McGregor didn't play. What, what about Che Adams, Hugh, for you? Are you, are you happy with that inclusion? It's definitely added to the squad. Um, I think that's what we're needing. Obviously, the guy's been speaking earlier on there, just in regards to the striking force, like Lyndon Dykes sitting on the bench. But you know what Dykes can give you? Dykes obviously does terrorise the bench. He's running behind, told, told defenders off, which is great. That's what we were needing for a while. But nobody else is scoring goals where the confidence is there for Shea Adams at the minute. So, yeah, bring the guy in, see what he can do for us. Maybe he'll add another dimension to the strike force. That's what we need. We need goals. Goals win your game. So that's what I'm quite happy with his inclusion. Hopefully, he'll obviously boost the rest would of the you, Would you have took Griffiths, Hugh? <laughs> uh, Griffiths, because he's not played, John, but I think Lee Griffiths is the best finisher in Scottish football, without a shadow of a doubt. You I know, bring him on 10, 10, 15 minutes when you when you you know you're getting balls in the box. The strikers are a bit off, and you know Griff. You know he's a, he's a wonderful finisher. You give him a chance, and you know he scores. Um, so I'm a little bit surprised. Yeah, I know he's not had a great season. I know he's not you know been scoring goals, and he's had one or two issues, not been playing for Celtic. But you know it's finding it's finding room in there, isn't it? Obviously, uh, Steve Clark's got his five centre forwards there. You would imagine that Stevie Clark has spoken to Celtic, yeah. wouldn't you, about you think, Lee Griffiths? Well, having been in the squad before, having been such a big player for Scotland well, in, the in the past, he was in the last group, wasn't yeah. he? You know, so he will have looked at it from then until now that he's not really played. He's got himself a few goals, John. You're talking about players on form. He's not on form because he's not playing mm -hmm. and he's not scoring goals. So that would be a sentimental inclusion because he's done it before. Mm. He can previously do it. But on yeah. current form and what he's doing at the minute, so you'd imagine I just he's think he's to so John deadly Kelly. in front of the goal. Even even was you know, or is? I think he still is. He still can't be playing him. Yeah. I don't think I don't think they've they, they've they give him the opportunities really. They've obviously seen him not not quite there in training. Maybe his body fat is a little bit over. Maybe the sports science are saying he can't get around the pitch like he used to. But one one way I wasn't always at my fitness. I always carried a little bit, Rob, but Martin O'Neill played me, played me. He knew when that ball came in the box, I'd be in amongst the six-yard box. I'd be putting my head, I'd be scoring goals. Lee Griffiths is the same. We're not all the same types. We're not all the same body shapes. And for me, I just go back to there. I would have been playing Lee Griffiths. I think his confidence is shot. That's maybe one of the reasons why... Steve Clark is not including him in the squad because he's not been playing. He's not been featured, and he's a boy that that needs to create headlines. He wants to be in the headlines. He wants to be scoring goals. He wants to be the one that everybody's talking about. No one's really talking about him. Hugh, thanks for your call. Thanks a lot, guys. All about Cheers, that's you and Lanark talking, uh, Liam Kelly talking, Scotland squad. We are talking Scotland squad and everything else today. What about the weekend? What about Sunday? Is that game going to go ahead? Will there be a guard of honour? Um, 
What else do you want to talk about? Odson Edouard being linked with AC Milan. What price uh, for Odson Edouard if Celtic are going to sell him in the summer? Who's going to be the next Celtic manager, head coach, director of football? Uh, pick your situation vacant, really. Um, and Sir Alec Ferguson uh, is going to be involved in Aberdeen's search for a new manager. They will use him as a sounding board to find out who replaces Derek McInnes. 0808 17 17 700. The Bull Radio Football Show. Let's go. On a Tuesday with Rob McLean, John Hartson, and Stephen Craig. And thanks to Chris for the travel. He's back a little bit later, uh, keeping you up to date on what is happening out there. Just looking out the window, what a beautiful day. Spring has sprung, but it could be for one day only. It'll be raining tomorrow, no doubt. So we're uh, talking about the Scotland squad, which was named today by Stevie Clark for those upcoming international against Austria, Israel and the Faroe Islands. Che Adams is in for the first time, the Southampton striker. Kevin Nisbet of Hibs is included as well. And Jack Hendry, the Celtic defender who's on loan in Belgian football with Ostend, uh, he is in as well. Maybe as much chat about who's not included as who is David Turnbull. Uh, not picked... Uh, maybe surprisingly, certainly for me, surprisingly, and no Nathan Patterson either, the young Rangers defender. Uh, Craggs, despite the clamour, and there was a fatal clamour, wasn't there, to have him in it? Well, there was. Listen, he's only had two starts recently, hasn't he? But, you know, the other thing you have to take into consideration is him along with the four other Rangers players are up in front of the SFA next Thursday, which is when Scotland are due to play their first game. Yeah. So, if he gets a ban, which you would think they will because George Edmondson and Jordan Jones did, you can't give a seven-game ban for one set of players and not give a seven-game ban for the others. Mm. So if that's the case, then he wouldn't be able to play in the internationals anyway because he's had a seven-game ban hanging over him. So, uh, you know, whether that came into Steve Clark's thinking or whether he just thought, no, I've, I've got the likes of Liam Palmer, I've got Stephen O'Donnell uh, who can play in those areas of the pitch. He seems to be covered in that area. But certainly, you know, Nathan Patterson will be one for the future. I've got to say his performance last week against um, Slavia Prague, the longer it went on, he got better and better. He looked more comfortable in the game. So that will do him a world of good. He will be a Scotland player at some stage. Uh, just it won't be this time around. Although I'm with you, Rob. I'm very surprised David Turnbull isn't somewhere involved. But then I looked at Steve Clark's record when he was in charge of Kilmarnock. He didn't really blood an awful lot of youngsters. And then with the Scotland squad, he's had the likes of Billy Gilmer. People were speaking about him in the past of bringing him into the squad. Ram Portis, he brought into the squad, but then never played him. Brought it. He ended up called, calling in Andy Considine and played him. He called in Paul Hamlin and played him ahead of him. So I think he likes his experienced players, Steve Clark, and he's very loyal to his experienced players. And that's what that squad tells us. The rise and rise of Nathan Patterson, of course, could continue this weekend uh, if, he, if he's in that Rangers lineup against Celtic. If, of course, that game happens, uh, the Rangers players have been putting together a video in the course of today just to uh, hammer home that uh, stay at home message, which is absolutely vital uh, in the coming days that that is taken on board because there is still a big question mark yep. hanging over that game. John Hartson, uh, do you think Celtic against Rangers on Sunday is going ahead? My honest opinion is I I hope it does. I hope it does for um just because it's 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 such a a big moment at the minute in, in Scotland in terms of the COVID and everything else and the celebrations last weekend when, when Rangers eventually clinched the league. Um but I, I'm not sure whether it'll go ahead. I, I just I just can't hang my hat on the supporters staying away. And I think that could be a problem. Uh, I might be wrong. They might just announce it tomorrow that the game goes ahead. But my honest view is I think they'll have a look at it and have a look at what's happened in the last few months 
and, and think it's impossible for supporters to behave and to stay away. All being the videos have gone out. Scott Brown has wrote an open letter to the to the Celtic supporters. It's been such a crazy year in terms of you know what's happened. Rangers won their first title in ten years, stopped the ten in a row. Um, all the talk about this nonsense of a guard of honour. What a load of nonsense! That's that that why. You know why do that? Let's have some perspective. But but, but listen, this but is look, here's, this is what uh, Brendan Rogers said about it. Just listen to this, and then we'll get. Yeah, but get he knows back, about integrity and loyalty, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, well, he is. My feeling is always is that you should always show humility, and uh, and class. It's something that for me, despite the rivalry, despite how difficult it is, that you should do, and then use it as a motivation going forward. No, John. No. In, what what did he say then? Humility. Mm-hmm. Did he not and walk, class. Did he not walk out to Celtic? He did. Well, exactly right. That's what I'm saying, and I would think that a lot of the Celtic fans would be saying the same. So, so you're saying his message doesn't carry any weight? Not not for me. Yeah. Let's let's have some perspective, Rob. Yeah. In the last ten years, Celtic have done a quadruple treble. No word of guard of honour. Now, different if this yeah, but was... you could take the moral high ground, couldn't you? You could, if you were Celtic, uh, if, why uh, and and say, well, you might not have done it, but we're doing it. Well, right, it's not, it's not, it's never that been mentioned. And then, well, why do it now? I know Rangers have come back from the dead; they've come back from absolutely nowhere. You know, dumped down in the Scottish third division, they've come up, took them four years or whatever it was to get back, and it's a brilliant achievement what they've done this year. They've been the best team in Scotland. Nobody is saying that they they've absolutely strolled to the league championship and they've deserved it they have absolutely deserved it Celtic will have the challenge now the only challenge left for me is to stop Rangers going the season unbeaten that's the only challenge left because a couple of years ago when Neil Lennon took his team to Ibrox and Celtic had already won the league we were champions right Rangers beat us and celebrated like they'd like they'd won the European Cup and I thought to myself what an what that is embarrassing! What are you celebrating? You have turned up all season. You've won one game against Celtic when you've already lost the league, and I just hope that Celtic take this on board and they don't do the same thing if the game gets played at the weekend and Celtic were to win and they were to celebrate. They haven't turned up all season. Where have they been? I think we've flicked the start button on John Hartson. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to speak, I'm trying to no, give my honest no, opinion. No, 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 absolutely yeah. right. That's what we yeah, want from you is pure passion. Let's. I'm, I want to get Scott uh, involved in the discussion here. Scott's a, a Rangers fan. I'm a, I know you want to talk about Scotland, Scott, but I just want to ask you firstly, do you think this game will go ahead on Sunday? Uh, yes, I do. Unlike John, I think it will because TV money is the, one of the only forms of income coming to Scotland at the moment and in terms of football, TV money. And I don't think Sky Sports will let them cancel it. I think the old firm is one of the most revenue games. I don't know if that's the right way of saying it, but can you get what I mean? Most revenue games in Scottish football and I can't see Sky Sports not having it on. That's a fair point, Craggs, isn't it? There, there is a real pressure yeah, on Scottish football to have this played. Um, although, you know, the Scottish government won't really be well, too no, too bothered about no, that, listen, I don't the, think. The Scottish government will have the final say on it. I, I'm, I'm very much like Scott. I, I think the game will go ahead. Um, you know, the Guard of Honour thing that John's talking about, that's nothing to do with the fans, really. You know, that's... No. And I haven't heard Rangers w- once come out and say, well, we want a Guard, a guard of Honour. So everybody's just assuming 
that's going to happen. So I, I think we have to exonerate a few people from it. If, if you know who's pointing the finger, it's just being suggested by people. Mm. Just because Brendan Rodgers says it doesn't mean to say it has to be done. Or some people are saying, well, it shouldn't happen. Well, I think Barry Ferguson put it perfectly last night. He said he couldn't have cared less. Mm. You know, but ultimately yeah. this game, I think, you know, for everybody to continue moving forward and, and to have the vibe of what we're coming to the end of this virus, hopefully, you know, we're talking about the end of June where we can start to move forward and proper life again. This game for me has to go ahead, just to set a marker down. And I think supporters, do you think of the first two old firm games? The supporters were fine. They stayed in the house, they watched it in the house. That was okay. There's been a bit of a halapaloo because Rangers have won the league. I sincerely hope now the mature side of people kicks in and they say, right, stay at home, let's get the season over and done with so we can move on. Uh, Scott, you wanted to speak about the Scotland squad? Yeah, I feel like, I think some of the inclusions, like like boys were saying before I came on, are more down to loyalty rather than actual form. I don't see how, I don't see what Ryan Christie's done to get in over David Turnbull. Would John McLaughlin, your goalkeeper, come under that same category? Yeah, I could say so, because obviously Alan McGregor's been probably one of the best keepers in Britain this year, and McLaughlin hasn't had a chance, not not his own fault. Boy was on before, us talked about Liam Kelly. I haven't seen much of Mulder, so I can't really comment, if I'm going to be quite honest. But I I don't see how Ryan Christie gets in over David Turnbull. Don't give it Stephen O'Donnell gets in over Nathan Patterson. Maybe Patterson due to his off-the-field antics. I don't know. That's it's a question for Steve Clark to answer. But I just feel some of them are based on loyalty rather than form. And these are the kind of games, I know obviously it's qualifiers, these are the kind of games you want to look at new players for Euros and Scotland's biggest games in summer in 2030 odd years. Yeah, it's, it's a big talking point that, isn't it? And and we've had the, the argument already in the show and it will probably continue as well. That argument, John, between loyalty on the one side to, to the guys who got you there and yeah. done, done you well so far to players that are actually doing it at the moment. Yes, well, it's all right for us to say, like Scott, who's a, who's a fan, like me, who I follow the Scotland na- national team, I follow the Scottish, I live in Edinburgh, I work for Sky, I have to follow it. I love following Scottish football, having played up here for five years. But it, it's a lot easier, easier, Rob, for us to, to comment on it, about uh, loyalty, sentiment, all this sort of stuff. But Steve Clark will feel a, a lot um, sentimental towards some of his players. Now, that's, that's him thinking in his mind. And it's a lot easier for us to say, well, don't be sentimental. Pick players on form. But Steve, as a manager of the national team, he would look at it and think, well, he's done really well for me. He's a player that I can I can trust. I know he'll turn up every game. Even if he's got a knock, he'll be there. He doesn't. He never pulls out the squads. Mm. He's always reliable. I know that I've got him to pick from every time I, <laughs> I choose a squad. So it's, a, it's easier for me and Scott and, and Craig's and you to say, well, you shouldn't be picking players on 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 um, you know on sentiment. But to him. It's a totally different feeling because he's got a different feeling towards these players. He likes continuity. Yeah, I think Steve Clark likes continuity. But, it's, but it's also about spirit in the squad, isn't it? Yeah. It's not just sentimentality that, no. or loyalty. And it's about a building. group of players Absolutely. that have come together. And and maybe and Ryan Christie hasn't mm. recently been reproducing no. what what he what he has done yeah. er, earlier on in the campaign. But but how good has mm. he been for yeah. Scotland? He he's been almost a talisman yeah. for Scotland. After his interview in Serbia, I can't <laughs> imagine Steve Clark phoning him up. Two days ago and said, listen, Ryan, I'm not going to put you in the squad. You could see how much it meant to him to play for his country. Mm. And that continuity thing I'm talking about, the players know the system, they know the setup, they know the structure of it all. So when Steve Clark turns up and it's 99% the same group, 
he knows his players understand how they want to play. They're, the switch is flicked and they know Scotland 3-5-2, I'm here, I'm there. He can walk through training. So they know the system inside out. To bring in five or six new players and have to coach them right from the start. This has been an ongoing process and this is why he likes his continuity because he trusts the players that they've done it with him before. He knows they can do it in the international scene and he knows they'll do it again for him. So that's why it's but difficult for Alexa Turnbull stuff about... to come in. Sorry. Go ahead, Scott, sorry. Sorry, did you not say the same about Lee Griffiths though? Because I think he's, as John said, best goal scorer in Scotland. If Lee Griffiths, obviously Lee Griffiths has been in multiple squads before. He took, it was, I think he took the first penalty in Serbia and yep, right to the home yep. brilliantly. So I don't see how you can have loyalty to some, but not to others. If Lee Griffiths gets the ball in the 18-yard box, I'm 99% sure the ball's going in that net. If, and I don't think there's ever anyone else. You're saying there's the an squad. if there, Scott, maybe though. Shea, maybe Shea Adams. But I can't see. I don't see a goal scorer in that squad, apart from maybe Shea Adams, who's doing well at the moment. But Ryan Christie's also playing for Celtic most weeks. He's involved in Celtic. He's coming on the pitch. He's spending minutes on the pitch, and Lee Griffiths isn't. So that's why there's a little bit of different uh, difference in loyalty. One is playing and is match fit and ready to go, and the other one isn't. The other one is we're you know. Steve Clark's looking back and thinking, well, he's done it before. He might score when he comes on if he gets a chance. He came on in games and he didn't score in any of the three games that he came on. So. I'm, 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 assuming that, that I'm assuming that Stevie Clark would reserve the right to put Lee Griffiths in the squad for the Euros if They've he's still playing. Got a chance, if he's they? playing, if he's playing for Celtic yeah. between now and the summer, and he gets back to scoring goals, well, I mean, everybody knows what he's done for Scotland in the past. So all he needs is current fitness and form. Exactly, and it's not so late mm. for for David Turnbull and, and and the lad Patterson. It's not too late for yeah. them. They've still got you know two or three months to finish the season really, really well. Hopefully, John Griff, uh, John Kennedy will give Griff. A, couple, a few minutes, maybe start him in one or two games now towards the end of the season. Realise that he needs to be playing to get his dream of going to the Euros and, and giving him an opportunity to go and get some games. So what I would say to the likes of David Turnbull, don't give up, don't sulk, no. work even harder now. Show Steve Clark that you made a mistake and I should be in your, certainly should be in your squad. In my opinion, Turnbull should be in the team. Is that a squad, Scott, that gets you excited about these games to come uh, and the Euros in the summer? Yeah, don't. Uh, as I said, I'd probably rather have like a Turnbull or something. But overall, as a squad, as we saw in the last couple of games, um, I'm quite excited for the summer. But just back to the sort of loyalty thing, don't see what Kevin Nisbet's been on the bench for Hibs since January. He's only started the last couple of games, I yep. think. And Lee Griffiths has been on the bench for Celtic, so I don't see why mm. Nisbet gets in the squad. But Griffiths doesn't. When Griffiths playing before January, before they went to Dubai, he was scoring goals. He was an old, he was an Alan McGregor fingertip away from winning Celtic Battle from game, I think. So I don't see why Nisbet gets in the squad when he hasn't really played. Scott, Ollie McBurney. Ollie McBurney's been sitting on the bench for Sheffield United. Sheffield United have gone down you know, with a whimper. They're already relegated. You look at Lyndon Dykes, Craigs, I think you say he's got two goals in his last 15 games. So he goes down to QPR for, for £2 million. He starts off really well. He starts the last couple of Scotland games. But in terms of form, he hasn't got form. He hasn't got no but, form. Uh, but the thing is, Steve Clark will have spoke to Celtic. Steve Clark isn't going to pick a squad without speaking to John Kennedy. How's he training? Is he available every day? Is he fit? Is he fresh? Can he, you know, mm. all that comes into consideration. He doesn't just name a squad and... and you know, pull out names out of a hat, Scott. So I would imagine there's conversations being had there. And if Lee Griffiths isn't where he should be, 
then Steve Clark will have been told that. I don't know that. I'm just assuming that Celtic will have told Steve Clark that. Yeah, I suppose. But back to sort of heart, uh, John, what John was saying, uh, the difference between sort of those two is Nisbet's been brought in because Nisbet's a pure goal scorer. Dykes and McBurney are sort of your more target men, knock ball down, get runners off them, kind of thing. So I think he's putting Nisbet and Adams in there as goal scorers and have Dykes and McBurney as your sort of other striker to said knock balls down, get runners off them. But I'd rather have Griffiths in as a goal scorer than Nisbet, personally. Well, it's I'm more confident. Yeah, it's a, gets the ball the thing is as well. The thing is as well, Rob. Right, he, Lee Griffiths could be a stick on for the Euros. Yeah, John Kennedy could have said to um, Steve Clark, "Look, keep him here. Don't take him because he'll have he'll have uh, three games in ten days, whatever it is. He's hanging around with the with the national team. We don't do an awful lot of training. You're hanging around. You're eating. You you know you're lazing around in hotels if you're not going to play the games. So John might have said, "Keep him here. We'll get him sharp. We'll get him fit. We'll give him some games. For all we know." Steve Clark could pick Lee Griffiths at the Euros and Turnbull. Yeah. We, we, we just don't. If you're know. not fit and sharp in March, you're not going to be fit and sharp in May. Well, John, you know. might, John might have said to him, "Look." Now you said you earlier about uh, about Lee going for his dream. John's dream is to get the Celtic job. So John Kennedy's going to pick a Celtic team. Yeah, but not for, every manager that, that suits him. Players. It's going if, to suit him. Maybe not if he maybe if he picks Lee Griffiths, they'll start winning games. This argument could go on all night and it probably will but it certainly and it certainly will continue until 7 on the Go Radio Football Show with OPC Energy Limited Scott, thanks for your call No worries guys, thanks for having me Scott, Scott. Uh, made a couple of good points asked a couple of uh, really interesting questions there and uh, lots to be said about the Scotland squad named today by Stevie Clark The Go Radio Football Show it's Glasgow's own, it's Go Radio. It's the football show Monday to Friday, 5 till 7. Thanks to Chris for the travel. It's the football conversation that pretty much goes wherever you want it to go. We've already had Hugh and Scott on the phone, and uh, you can get involved as well in the usual fashion. 0808 17 17 700. Text Go and your message to 87474 on the socials at Go. Football show, Rob McLean, John Hartson, Stephen Cragen here with you talking football between now and seven. The Champions League is back tonight. Manchester City already two up against Borussia Mönchengladbach. And uh, the other game being played tonight is Real Madrid one up against Atalanta. But for some of us tonight, it's going to be Glen Torren, I feel. Yeah, it is. It's Glen Avon, Glen Torren tonight. I bought my virtual ticket on the way in, so I'll be I'll be back home. I think it's a half past seven kickoff, so I'll be back ready to see it again, Rob. Champions League, John, for you tonight? No, Bournemouth, Swansea. Oh, you're Bournemouth. joking! Am I going to be on the one watching Champions League tonight? <laughs> Swansea at Bournemouth, massive game, top of the Championship. Swansea on Norwich's tail. Uh, Bournemouth has slipped lately. Um, so for me, uh, you just can't lose now. You know, in terms of that top six, and uh, Swansea want to go in, uh, they want to go through the play, uh, automatic because they lost last season to Brentford, who eventually lost in the final to Fulham. So, um, can you sense me glazing over at this point? Yeah, I can. <laughs> because I was wanting to talk Champions League. No, no, no. And you two are, are a big letdown, yeah. I have to say. Uh, what I did want to speak to you about, though, was uh, uh, European strikers and the 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 next hit brigade uh, who are on their way up. Uh, Messi and Ronaldo, of course, haven't made it. Mm-hmm. Uh, first time in 16 years, neither of those two have been in the, the quarterfinals of, of the Champions League. But what about Erling Haaland of Borussia Dortmund? I think 20 Champions 
Champions League goals already at the age of 20. Yeah. And of course, uh, at, at 22, he's become the youngest ever player to hit 25 Champions League goals. That's Kylian Mbappe uh, at PSG. An exciting pair, John. Which yeah. of those is it for you? Well, I, th- I think they're, they're different. Um, uh, I think Mbappe can play along the, the, the front line. Um, you know, he can play on the left. He can play through the middle on the right. Um, ridiculously quick. He's also, as well, a, a, a great provider. He, he can he can play assists, you know, he's delivery into the... But when he is wide, is excellent. He sets up goals. The nearest player I, I, I can compare him to is Thierry Henry. Somebody like that who mm. could do everything, you know. Um, when he when he faces you up in terms of one-on-one, you know, he'll show you a clean pair of heels. He'll just skip past you. He's frightened. He don't ever want to be in that situation as a defender with him. And Haaland, you know, for 20 years of age, and the size of him, Rob, he's, he's absolutely huge. Oh, he's, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's, he's about six foot three, yeah. both feet, um, tearing it up for Borussia Dortmund. So for me, you know, they're both fantastic at, at what they do and, and, and still very young, of course. But um, I would say them two are the most sought after footballers in European football right now. Yeah, there are some pair of those and uh, playing off each other, competing with each other and they'll be breaking a few more records in the years to come as well. Celtic at the moment are looking for a new management team. What shape is that going to be? Is it going to be director of football and head coach? It seems that way, but all is quiet at the moment in terms of Celtic Park. Aberdeen are looking for a new gaffer as well to replace uh, Derek McInnes. Uh, the chairman, Dave Cormack, was speaking uh, today uh, talking about the department of McInnes and talking about uh, the plan to replace him. It's not going to be done in a hurry by the sounds of it. We're going to speak to um, an Aberdeen fan, Robbie, shortly. But this is what Dave Cormack was saying today in relation to using Sir Alex, uh, Sir Alec Ferguson as a sounding board to help him out with this upcoming appointment. And said, listen, you find a coach that you can work with, someone that will go to Glasgow and aim to beat Celtic and Rangers. Don't look for kind of second best as far as that goes and someone that is on the offence. Well, those were the days uh, at Aberdeen when Fergie was in charge, um, when they did used to go to Glasgow yeah. regularly and expect to win. But but Robbie, an Aberdeen fan, it's changed days at the moment um, for, for the Dons. Uh, the sights have been significantly lowered. Um, what are you thinking at the moment about your team and the search for a new manager? Um, hi, Rob. Thanks for having me on. Pleasure, yeah. Robbie. Nice to speak to you. Um, yeah, I, I listened to the um, Dave Coy Matt thing with Mal live on Aberdeen YouTube this morning and it was encouraging to hear and be transparent and see how the process was going with the applicants all around the globe and all that and despite me being unhappy with the football under Derek for maybe 18 months or so and like the form obviously we all know one goal in 10 but the point in a way is did kind of shock me just for other people how it came about on Monday like I thought like many others, they'd shake hands, go the separate ways at the end of the season and give them a chance to maybe pip Hibs to third. So now it's kind of, yeah, how it's a big one. As Koymak admitted himself, he's nervous about it. So I feel, I, I've got full faith in him since Koymak came in. I've said he speaks a good game. And I think if it wasn't for the pandemic, we'd be seeing a lot more improvement with the club. And I think you make a really good point about his... Uh, visibility today and his transparency mm. and the fact that even though he's not got a lot to say 
he's actually explaining about the, the departure of Derek McInnes and, and the process which begins tomorrow uh, mm-hmm. to get a new manager in place. And it, and it does contrast, doesn't it, Craggs, with what's not coming out of Celtic Park? Yeah, listen, it's the one thing Dave Cormack has been since he took over. He's quite happy to go onto the social media channels and, and interact with fans. He's quite happy to give feedback with regards to what they're looking for. Uh, he also shut down the rumours that because he was talking over the weekend that Stephen Glass was in Aberdeen self-isolating he was <laughs> going to be announced as a manager so yeah. you know Dave Cormack said listen that's not the case we haven't picked anyone as yet we have a process we have to go through and I think that's important for him because you know naturally when Derek's moved on they will have something in their mind of what they would like but I think when you're a club like Aberdeen and you can attract a good manager you attract a uh, good people are planned for the job you want to speak to people I think you want to meet them face to face you want to hear what they have to say you want to see if you can get that vibe or that connection the, the body language absolutely as well absolutely everything yeah. rather than just going and appointing someone why not just go out and look and speak if you've got to speak to 10 people speak to 10 people Aberdeen is a job that managers will want and Dave Cormack has to make sure he gets it right he wants the uh, I think one of his pillars where he said he wanted more attractive football he then wants a pathway from young players from the academy at Cormack Park right through to the first team um, you know, he wants to be able to sell players and attract players. So the, the man he's looking for has to have that yeah. previously. They've had their work in that environment uh, previously, bringing in young players, you know, knowing Scottish football, I think, or knowing a bit about it or having someone with them who knows a bit about it. Because Scottish football can be ruthless and relentless, you know, and, and it's intense. So, listen, he's done the right thing by speaking about it. I mean, if he mentioned Alex Ferguson once in that interview, I think he mentioned a <laughs> hundred times. So that's good. He's getting a little bit of advice. But ultimately, yeah. he has to make the decision. You can get advice from as many people as you want, but he will know when he gets that advice, when he gets that connection. And I think, Robbie, uh, just in what Craggs was saying there, we maybe have the answer to why this departure has happened before the end of the season rather than at the end of the season. Because Dave Cormack wants a sparkling, entertaining product, doesn't he? The match day experience is everything to him. He's got so much experience of watching big sports events in the United States and, and what that's all about. And I, I that, you know, he made a big point about entertainment, didn't he, when he when he took the Absolutely. chairman's job and, and it's not been happening. Yeah, oh, well, Rob, you've, I watch, when I'm not out sports reporting myself, I watch Red TV most Saturdays and often you're anchoring and that's too often the problem, just not in, getting any entertainment, not getting goals, not converting chances. But I did think it was a good point he made with Neil Simpson and the Youth Academy. He said there's a lot of good players and talented players to come through. I think that's quite reassuring he says that because with, I think, 12 players out of contract in the summer, I have been quite concerned. And I think maybe with the loan signings, the strikers in January just being on loan, yeah. was McInnes, has he always been on a shaky peg that way with Corey Mack and they didn't want to allow him to tie up players on contract and let a new manager decide? Maybe, I don't know. Yeah. But I think I think there are uh, definitely big changes to come, aren't they, personnel-wise? A lot of players out of contract and it is an opportunity for a new manager to come in uh, once they appoint him, of course, and to turn things around. Robbie, thanks for your call and uh, take no care of yourself. Thank you. All the best. Cheers, Robbie. That's Robbie, who's an Aberdeen fan and he's keen to know, with Sir Alec Ferguson's help, of course, in the background, what Dave Cormack is going to do in terms of a new gaffer. Feel the heat of the game, the crunching tackles, the near misses and diving headers. Feel the drive from the sidelines. Feel the passion of your captain. Feel the celebrations. Feel the last-minute heartache and the penalty save that changes everything. Feel the heat of the game from the comfort of your own home with OPC Energy Limited. For more information on boiler servicing and maintenance, visit opc-ltd.uk.
Football Show. And today was the day that Stevie Clark named his latest Scotland squad for that uh, upcoming triple header uh, against Austria, Israel and the Faroe Islands. Che Adams is in for the first time, the uh, Southampton striker playing and scoring in the English Premier League. I think that'll probably do for us. Uh, Kevin Nisbet back scoring for Hibs. He's in as well. And Jack Hendry, the Celtic defender who's on loan at Ostend in Belgium and he's been playing regularly as well. He is in and I guess Scotland could do with a few more defensive options. Not included uh, Nathan Patrick Patterson of Rangers. There's been a clamour about the youngster to get him involved. He's barely played a handful of games for Rangers, uh, but he has looked uh, mighty impressive and uh, surprising as well that there's no David Turnbull. Yeah, good player, David, and done well this year to break into the Celtic team. Looks a good prospect for us. Unfortunately for David, he's trying to get into what is probably the strongest area of the pitch. I mentioned Ryan Christie, you've got Ryan Fraser, Stuart Armstrong, John McGinn, all as attacking midfield players, and it's an area of the pitch that we're strong in. I'm sure if David keeps up his current form, his chance won't be too far away. But it was a chance, wasn't it, in these games uh, to get him involved, John Hartson, um, with Scotland. He's been, of course, a big part of the Scotland under-21 squad. He'll continue to be so, presumably, uh, in the next little while. Um, but his form at Celtic uh, must have had him making a strong claim to be in that squad. Well, yes, and it's all about opinions, Rob, isn't it? You know, Steve Clark just said there he's done very well to break into a strong Celtic team. He's not only just broken, he's become the best player yeah. in the Celtic team. You know, he, you know, s- since um, Celtic changed uh, to a diamond almost at, at Christmas, January, it's Ryan Turnbull at the tip of that diamond, you know, off whichever striker you want to want to use, whether they go with two, Griffiths or, or Edouard, or just Edouard. And he's a goal threat. His delivery is outstanding. He's scored a couple of free kicks. Technically, he's excellent. So that's a little bit of a, a surprise for me. But listen, Steve Clark, it's his prerogative. But again, it's all about um, opinions. You ask the Celtic fans this season, and, and I think uh, David Turnbull has just been outstanding. So I am a little bit surprised he's not in the squad and I know I'm preaching to the converted crags mm. uh, and looking at you and saying why no David Turnbull do you know what sometimes international football suits players the tempo can be a little bit slower you can maybe get a little bit more space a bit more time in the ball in certain games and that's exactly what David Turnbull would thrive on you know he brings goals from midfield and as much as Steve Clark spoke about you know Ryan Fraser can play in there and Stuart Armstrong can play in there but David Turnbull can play in there and score goals mm. you know you're talking mm. about if your centre forward's not scoring goals Goals have to come from elsewhere in the team. And when you look at what he's got, actually, I, I didn't want to say, I spoke to Steve McManus the other day about something else, and I just asked him off the cuff about uh, David Turnbull because Stephen's working with the first team, and he said he's getting better. He said he's improved again. He says the power he can generate from a standing still on his right foot in particular, he says it's phenomenal. He's hitting the ball harder than he ever has. His accuracy is great. Uh, he said he's thriving every day in training, and I thought that would have been a real boost for him if he could have made that squad, even if he wasn't going to be involved. Just to have them, or, sorry, play, but having them around the squad and make them think, I've got a chance. And I generally believe that Steve Clark would have thought, wow, he's better than what I thought. I said, when he went to Celtic, I said, the Celtic players will look eventually and say, he is better than what we thought he was. And if Steve Clark had seen him up close, believe me, he will say the same. 
He's going to have a, an interesting, well, there are quite a few dilemmas. There are ongoing dilemmas for Scotland. We'll talk about Tierney and Robertson in a minute, which uh, continues to be a, a big issue in terms of fitting them in. Uh, Scott McTominay as well. It has to be a big decision coming up for Stevie Clark. He's been playing right side of a back three for his country, but he's been starting for Manchester United in the midfield. With Scott, obviously I've added two new central defenders to the to the current group and Grant Hanley and, and Jack Henry. I'm looking for a right-sided centre-back that can give us a little bit of pace and cover on the right-hand side. Uh, that doesn't mean to say that I don't play Scott McTominay there because he, he, he's been outstanding in that position. But watching him play for Manchester United in the Premier League, he's also been outstanding in that position. He's, he's given me a great problem, Scott, and it's one that I look forward to solving. We'll get Terry, a Celtic fan, into the conversation in a second. John Hartson, what about Scott McTominay? What would you do with him in that Scotland team? I would probably play him um, as a centre-back. I really would. I think he's somebody that can come out with the ball. Um, he can head it. He's, got, he's a good size. Um, he's a good passer. I think he just gives you a bit of calmness in that back three. Um, he's just mentioned there, uh, Jack Hendry and Grant Hanley coming into the squad. You've still got McKenna, um, you know O'Donnell that can play there. So I would play him there, and that allows you then to go and, to go and play your Andy Considine as well. Andy Declan Gallagher, centre backs, yeah, yeah. and Andy Considine as well can play right back, as we know, and that allows you then to. to you know, Steve Clark have said he's got he's got a number of good players in the midfield area. That's why. Um, Turnbull's not in the squad, so that allows him then to go and pick, you know, three or four. It, it'll it'll be three, won't it? If he plays three centre halves, it'll be three. Yeah. You know, out of that six or seven midfield players he's got. Yeah, and they've put a lot of work into converting Scott McTominay into mm. into a right-sided centre back. So um, it would be ripping up that script, wouldn't it, if you were to to yeah. not play him there, Crags? I think the problem is Declan Gallagher hasn't been playing at Motherwell. He's been injured yeah. and he's come on for a couple of minutes in each of the last two games. I don't think he'll play this weekend because Motherwell won against Livingston last time out. So suddenly he's arriving in an international ca- camp not having played. So it's hard to hit a, a World Cup qualifier trying to get your fitness up which makes me think he may even play Jack Hendry as a middle centre-half. That's where he's been playing for Ostend. He's been playing in the middle of the back three. Oh. And you've got Scott McTominay to the right of it and you've got Kieran Tierney to the left of it. The only and, problem and yet be- Declan Gallagher's been central he, he, to what Scotland he, have done. Listen, he's been terrific, but yeah. if he's not match fit, no. it's a huge game to throw him in. It could be a case of trying to get him some minutes in the first game, trying to get him some minutes in the second game so he's fit for the third game. So, But ultimately, he's got options now, Steve Clark. He's now got players who can play in a, a, you know, a number of positions, a variety of positions. He can mix it up, he can match it up and they still get success yeah and that's uh, that's testament to, to the progress that, that Scotland have made under Stevie Clark's management Stephen Craig and John Hartson Rob McLean on the Go Radio football show for a Tuesday evening and Terry is with us as well hi Terry good evening Rob evening John evening oh, Stephen you, oh, are, you, are, you are booming out loud and clear there I'm just going to turn you you're just maybe just hit the you've gone into a, a pretty high enthusiasm area there but uh, you're sounding good oh. <laughs> What would you like to say, oh, it's, Terry? It's a beautiful evening, so we're also a bit full of enthusiasm. <laughs> Absolutely, Terry. Loving it, loving your positivity. What would you like to say, Terry? Uh, it was just to touch upon the, the Glasgow Derby on Sunday. Um, Brendan's been speaking about Celtic again. Uh, yep. Last week it was directors of football, this week it's uh, Guard of Honours. So, in regards to the Guard of Honours, I mean, he was talking about class and humility. This is 
<laughs> did, you, someday, did you hear John Hartson earlier on the show? John, 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 I think was reacting in the way you're about to to what right. what Brenda what I'm Brendan with you, Terry, said. Terry, carry on, mate. I'm yeah. with you. Don't what, stop. What, what was your take, Terry, on, on right, what I'll Brendan Rodgers had to say? Brendan was going on about class and humility. I mean, this is somebody that left Celtic done a midnight flitting during the night, and uh, he's talked about class and humility, but. Mm. I wouldn't pay too much attention to what he's saying. But in regards to the, the guard of honour, I mean, I think it's sometimes it's a, bit, it's a bit hollow anyway. I mean, I've seen Celtic get many a guard of honour. Half the players aren't even clapping. It's just, that's maybe where their allegiances lie or whatever. However, in regards to Rangers had the opportunity to do it for Celtic a couple of years ago and obviously it wasn't taken. And that was under Gerrard. And then another opportunity arose. But when was it? The 2019 Cup final at Hamden. When Celtic to a man applauded Rangers as they went up for the runners-up medals, but then when Rangers came back down, they never stayed on the pitch to applaud Celtic. So that's twice under Gerrard. There's no been any class or humility shown there. So mm. as I say, I, I think it's a bit hollow guard of honours anyway. So I'm not really bothered. Terry, 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 I just think it's it's just um, I just don't think it's necessary. I don't think the no. players are that that concerned. You go on the pitch, you know, and and when does it stop? You know, there's three trophies. There's three trophies to win every year in Scotland. You got the League Cup, the Scottish Cup, and the League Championship. If Rangers go and win two or three, do you then go and do it? And I know there's a there's talk about you know they've come from nowhere basically and stopped the ten and and they've done exceptionally well. Blah blah blah. But where does it stop? I could understand it if Rangers went on and and won a European of Celtic won a European trophy and did something exceptional. You know, for a, for a club playing, you know, in the, in the Scottish Premiership, that is taking it on to another level. I could understand it then if they came back from the final and they picked up a European trophy. You know, that that is on a different scale altogether. But to do it for 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 league titles, I I really just don't feel it's necessary. I think they like they like it down in England, like this is the the tourist league. Sometimes they like doing all that kind of carry on, but hmm. I think up here the rivalry is just too much. Yeah. To, I either say our fans are they, are they really bothered about it. I don't. I don't think anyway. Terry, but, Terry, what are you thinking about uh, the departure of Neil Lennon and the fact that there's still no noise about uh, any form of replacement? I think Celtic are doing plenty of business behind the scenes. Are you pretty confident that that, that uh, the good things are happening behind the scenes? Oh yeah, I've got to be. No, I'm positive. I'm positive in that respect that something is happening. It's got. It's got. The, the, I think it's Fergal Harkin seems to be snowballing everywhere. There seems to be like a, a secret everybody knows about. But just need to wait and see. Terry, do you think that Peter Lowell is is still involved in some way in in making decisions there? That that's maybe why he held out and said he won't be leaving until is it July the first or was it the thirty first? The announcement said. Peter Lowell will be officially leaving. Yeah, you know. So for me, it's like, well, all right, you can ease the new chief executive in. You play the role in in organising, you know, the the dismissal of Neil Lennon in terms of speaking with the owners and the chairmen, the payoffs and all this type of stuff. But do do you think that Peter, you know, is is staying at the club to maybe help in some sort of way? Maybe I've overseen mm. it, but the, the other guys come in. We don't know. I don't, there must. Maybe they're overseeing it there, and obviously there's a Scottish Cup to go for as well. Now, so I dare say Peter would like that on his CV as well, and mm-hmm. another trophy. Mm-hmm. Is John Kennedy a contender, Terry? Uh, John Kennedy, 
No, I would still keep him at the club, but maybe, well, I don't know. I don't know. I, I would maybe keep him at the club still, but not not as manager. But it's, but it's very similar. We spoke about the Aberdeen manager earlier on, talking about how Dave right. Cormack has to speak to other candidates and speak to other people. And I would like to think that's what Celtic will do. And if it's a case of they work around everyone, Terry, and they can back and say, do you know what, John Kennedy's the best one for the job, then John Kennedy would get it. But John has to understand that the club want to speak to other candidates. You know, we spoke about Aberdeen being a big club. Celtic are huge. You know, the list of people wanting that job would be incredible. Mm. And some of the people being mentioned are really high profile. So Celtic have to do their due diligence and speak to people, which would be very naive of them if they're not speaking to uh, people at this moment in time and, and, and getting things going behind the scenes. Otherwise, it's a gamble just to turn up and say, right, well, who's going to get the job? They will be work in progress, no doubt about it. And also now, Terry, you said that you'd like to see John Kennedy stay in some capacity, maybe even if it's not manager. But yeah. most managers now worth their salt. I mean, top managers. Selling need to bring in a top manager. They're on people, yeah. No, and they'll want to, they'll have an assistant that has been with them for the best part of 10, 10 years or so. And they'll have gone through a lot together and hopefully a lot of success together. So, you know, in terms of bringing in a, a really top class manager, they will want to bring their staff. That's the first thing they'll say before they even take the job. Can I bring this one with me? I uh, trust him. And that's what Neil Lennon didn't have, wasn't it? Uh, he, he, was, he, he was never working with his own backroom staff. Well, there you go. There but you John, go. Given, John, you're saying about that as well, about John mm-hmm. Kennedy. I mean, Brendan Rodgers came in and Kennedy had worked under Dyla and he kept Kennedy on. So he, he obviously seen something in him as well. Yeah, but he didn't take him to Leicester though, did he? No, well, he tried during the night as well. During his flat, and he tried to take everything, the furniture as well. <laughs> and, and do you think is that is, is would John Kennedy be a glamorous enough appointment, a, a box office appointment that that's going to get Celtic fans excited, Terry, and that's also going to bring new talent in as Celtic refresh for next season? And I love Rob. No, 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 Terry. I think the challenge is that there's so much to do over the summer. There's going to be a big recruitment drive over the summer. Yeah. And, uh, you know, for to bring someone in their first job and throw them into that, I think it's a big ask. It needs an experienced manager who's been there before, who knows how to build a squad, who knows what's going on and, you know, and what he's looking for. John Kennedy would be kind of throwing things about and, 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 tr- and trying to get it right. And it would be a huge pressure to put onto him at that time. And the problem is too, if you're competing for players, if you're competing, if Rangers and Celtic are competing for a top player, say from, from England, from top end of the championship or a lower Premier League in England, John, um, you've got to put something up against Steven Gerrard, don't you? To uh, as, a, as an attraction. Yes, Celtic Football Club is a big attraction in itself, the manager's job, but it's Steven Gerrard versus question mark. Yeah, and, he, and Steven Gerrard, Obviously, as the added factor of that Rangers have won the league so comfortable this this year, they've been nowhere yeah. in the last nine years. But this season, they have, they have confidence, they have momentum. But Terry, I actually think I listened to Jackie McNamara last weekend, and Jackie speaks a lot of sense when he listens. He's, he's a he's a quiet and assuming guy, but he does speak an awful lot of sense. And when he talks, yeah. and he said that he felt that John Kennedy, he's a good coach, but he just maybe needed to leave Celtic, you know, and just maybe try and pick up that bit of experience and that little bit of success and then may come back into the role. Now, John might feel if if he was to leave... You know, somebody might come in and they might blow the, you know, blow it out of the water and be really successful for Celtic, and there wouldn't be a return back in for John. He'd have them thoughts, obviously, but Jackie said he just felt 
although he's had experience at Celtic with the previous three managers he's worked under, you know, on the training ground, learning and everything else. So I tend to agree with what Jackie said. I tend to agree with the fact that he's never been in that role before. It's a total different job altogether. Craig's will tell you, being an yep. assistant or a coach and actually you know your head's on the chopping block you're taking responsibility for picking the team you're going and facing the press after a 4 or 5 nil defeat when you're down and you've got to try and lift everybody in the club as an assistant manager you sit back and watch the manager do that as a manager it's a total different sort of aspect altogether Terry oh definitely Terry did you have something you want to say about Scotland before you go oh yeah I was just going to touch upon the I think Stevie Clark's been a bit loyal to players off form and, and marking him. I mean, I know he's kind of touched upon Turnbull and a yeah. lot of midfielders. I mean, I think Turnbull's the one that's the kind of shining light in the Celtic midfield at the moment. And yeah. guys like guys like Christian McGregor have not been playing. But obviously, he's been loyal to these guys that have gotten results well, before, maybe. But I just thought maybe Turnbull... You should go with the on-form players, I think, normally, in the international Yeah, team. I mean, it is a difficult balancing act, Craggs, isn't it, between yeah. form players, guys who've really grabbed centre stage like David mm-hmm. Turnbull and those who've done it for Stevie Clark before. Yeah, and, you know, we said it that, that, that Steve has looked at a squad, the players know the system, the set-up, the running of the whole camp, they'll know everything about it. But I still feel as if David Turnbull should have been involved just for the experience, mm-hmm. just to kind of get the feel and actually just wet his appetite a little bit more. Because after this camp, you're straight in the friendlies before the before the Euro. So unless he, you know, do, does something completely different, because what he's done up till now hasn't been good enough for Steve Clark. So he's going to have to do something even better in the next couple of months but Christ, to get himself into the squad. He's been brilliant. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, but it's not but good what, enough. What, what is That's Steve what Clark, I'm what, Yeah, but what is he seeing? He's been outstanding. Yep. Yep. He's, 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 you yep. know, he's, he's gone into that Celtic team. He's looked like he's been there all his life. I'm yep. not arguing with you. I agree with you, but I'm yeah. just saying Steve Clark must see it something different. Yeah. And, yeah. and you were saying earlier that you think international football, Absolutely. full international football, Completely. would be just the arena it's a, it's a on which slower. he would shine. It's a lot slower. Teams are a lot more methodical in their play. It's not as direct at times. You get more time in the ball. You can pick up good spaces, and that's what David Turnbull thrives on. Teddy, good to hear from you. James Rob, I'm about to watch my quadruple treble DVD. We're, we're not going to give you a guard of honour as you go off. You'll be glad to know. Send me a copy, tell. All the best. That's Terry on the Go Radio Football Show. The Go Radio Football Show. Three massive matches upcoming for Scotland and Stevie Clark named his squad today. It will be Scotland's last match action as well before the European Championships in the summer. So vital from all sorts of angles. Scotland against Austria, Israel and the Pharaohs. This was the squad named today. Craig Gordon, David Marshall, John McLaughlin, the goalkeepers. Defensively, Andy Considine, Declan Gallagher, Grant Hanley, Jack Henry, Scott McKenna, Stephen O'Donnell, Liam Palmer, Andy Robertson, Greg Taylor and Kieran Tierney. Midfield, Stuart Armstrong, Ryan Christie, John Fleck, Ryan Jack, John McGinn, Callum McGregor, Kenny McLean, Scott McTominay. And the strikers, Che Adams, included for the first time. The Southampton striker, Lyndon Dykes, is in there as well. Ryan Fraser listed among the strikers. Ollie McBurney is included. And uh, for the first time, Kevin Nisbet as well. The Hibs striker. All sorts of uh, decisions uh, for Stevie Clark, but no Nathan Patterson included. So what's he got at right back? Stephen O'Donnell, I, th- I think, has done very, very well for Scotland. I understand there's, there's always people that they want to 
talk Stephen down, but his, his recent performances, if, if you took away the name and the club he played for, you'd all be saying he's a good player. But I, I think we need to show a little bit of respect to, to people that have served the country well. Liam Palmer, any time I've added, I've added him into the squad, has done well. He's, he's never let me down. He's never let his country down. Nathan Patterson is a very good player and he's got a very big future in front of him. He's only a young boy. He's only just broken into the Rangers team. Let's give him a little bit of time so that he can, he can settle in, see how his career goes. But a big player for the future, for sure. Rob McLean, Stephen Craig and John Hartson and Gordon, who's a big Scotland fan. Hi, Gordon. Hi, Rob. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Hi, are mate. You, all right. Are you gripped with excitement? You know, honestly, I, I really am. You know, I, I described to some friends last night, it almost felt like it was Christmas Eve, you know, that we were going to get to unwrap our presents this morning and find out what we all got. Little did we know that Santa Steve Clark had wrapped up the present that we always wanted and we didn't know that, that Santa was going to bring it to us. Um, I, I honestly did not see Jay Adams coming, but I'm, I'm delighted he's with us. He's welcome, welcome to the family, Jay Adams. Yes, and it, it certainly sounds as if it's all happened uh, pretty late on. I think the first whisper he says he got was just uh, last week, John Hartson, and, and so yeah. it's all it's all been uh, fast tracked to to get him into that squad. There was a I think there was a tickle in terms of four years ago when he was twenty, when Alec McLeish was in charge, and there was talk at that stage. He, he's played for England under twenties. That doesn't affect anything, obviously. But now at age twenty four, he's playing and scoring with Southampton, and I think that'll yeah. probably do for us. Absolutely, and and as I said earlier on, sometimes you know you need that little bit of a surprise element. You know, it's going to be his first cap. He, he will definitely feature um, playing at the highest level in the Premier League, playing alongside Danny Ings. You know, different class, um, scoring goals, and it's fantastic for the lad. You know, he, as I said, there was a little interest four years ago. There, you know, there was something said, it didn't happen. Now it's happened and he's keen to come on board. Steve Clark is delighted to have him and and sometimes he might just be the, the one that makes a difference for you, you know. Gordon, would you have him straight in the team? Um, I don't think he'll start against Austria. I think consistency has been the watchword of Steve Clark's reign so far. I think you can see that he's developed a first choice starting eleven. I think Lyndon Dykes has done more than enough to deserve that starting jersey. But I think certainly over the course of the three games over the week, I think Jay Adams will certainly get plenty of minutes for sure. Because Craig's was saying earlier on, why not both? Why not? Why not have uh, London Dykes and Jay Adams in the team, Craig's? Totally, because uh, I watched Northern Ireland play against Austria uh, in the Nations League. In Northern Ireland, went three-five-two, played two strikers up top. And it caused the centre-backs of Austria all sorts of problems because they were quite prepared to run down the side. They went over the top, albeit I think the two of them might not uh, make the trip because they're playing in Germany. Dragovic is certainly one of them. So, um, But there, you know, you have to try and... The way Steve Clark plays, he wants to be direct. He wants to put it down the side. So it almost shares the workload for Lyndon Dykes. You're asking him to continue to run across the front line, run the channels. A little bit of support up beside him means the ball sticks a little bit more up top it means you carry uh, a, a different threat Linda Dykes attracts attention to defenders and Shea Adams is the one that can you know look for the space and get the goal so there just seems to me that their their attributes complement each other mm. and if Steve Clark's looking about that and thinking about that because you're at the World Cup qualifiers you're playing against Austria who are weaker or who are weaker because they're going to be missing 15, 16, 17 players 
you know, you're at home, go and get after the game. Go and win the game. Don't sit and wait. Go and get after the game. Force the issue on the top of the Austrians because there'll be a new squad put together. Go and capitalise if you possibly can because you've got the Ferrers at home as well. So if you can get six or seven points out of these first three games, you're in a really good position. And going with two strikers would certainly send out a positive I message. like the way you're talking, Craggs. You yeah. You've got me convinced. But I, th- I think, Gordon, I was, when when Craggs mentioned this earlier on in the show, I think I was in the mindset that you were in, which was maybe Stevie Clark land, and I was thinking of, of one striker and that that would be Lyndon Dykes. Well, do you know what, though? I mean, you, you look at the, the game Scotland have played recently, and we have theoretically played with two up front, whether it's Ryan Christie or yeah. Ryan Fraser playing just off Dykes. I think the thing that impresses me the most about Jay Adams is that you watch him play for Southampton, and he is a runner, he works, he runs the channels, mm. and I think the partnership that he has with Danny Ings, you could probably replicate that quite well, because Ings is more of a penalty box predator, which is kind of the Lyndon Dykes role, and Che Adams can very much play off him and do that running, do that pressing. I, I think that's it's got the prospects of a very, very promising partnership if, if we go with those two from, from the first minute. That would be a very positive move, John. It would, and um, when you play three at the back, that, that enables you to play with two strikers because you've got wing-backs, they provide the width. You've got three in the middle of the park, one will generally sit you know, whoever that one may well be, um, and then the other two, the other two midfielders, which will probably be McGregor and and Jack or McGregor or Christie. They then can take it in turns in terms of breaking into the box, gambling off the two strikers, and and that's a system I played for five years under Martin O'Neill. We played three, three five two, and and always it was two up front. And and as I said, Craig's was saying when you play with three centre halves, which Steve Clark prefers to do, that allows you to get you know two front men if you like, or even one off a one. We've had this eternal argument, haven't we, about uh, Andy Robertson and and Kieran Tierney, mm-hmm. and and actually the 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 the, the argument's still there, but it, but it's just kind of the balance has shifted a little of late, hasn't it? Because previously, I guess we were talking about Andy Robertson playing with the best team in England, one of the best teams in Europe as well, outstanding in that left back position, and putting him out of position. Maybe we've got that same concern, Gordon, at the moment about Kieran Tierney, who, who's the best player in the Arsenal team at the moment, but playing at left back. And I guess the likelihood with him is that he is going to be left of, of a back three against Austria. Is that the way you see it? Yeah, I think I think that has been fairly productive for Scotland. I mean, to be to, to be fair to Kieran Tierney, he has actually played a fair amount of, as a left-sided centre-back yeah. for Arsenal under Mikel Arteta. So, I'm I'm always a bit uncomfortable when you're trying to get players to do things differently to what they do for their club teams at international level because you've got such limited time on the training pitch. Tierney, he can do that position. He does it well. And he's such a phenomenal player. He he excels wherever you put him as much as he would do a very good job at left wing back. You can't you can't leave out the Scotland captain. You just can't. So uh, this is the best solution we have right now. And frankly, I, I think it's been quite good. And that, that is a big plus at the moment, yeah. isn't it? Wherever he plays, you just have to look at how he is lighting up the English Premier League. Not not just playing, but starring uh, Craig's yeah. week in, week out. Well, what I like about the fact of Kieran Tierney playing as a left centre half and a back three is that whenever Andy Robertson goes forward to join in the play, his automatic transitional move is to go and play as a left back is to go and fill the gap that he leaves uh, you know sometimes if you go with three out and out central defenders playing in a back three they don't really want to go into the wide areas and defend a 1v1 situation against the winger whereas Kieran Tierney can do that so it, 
it gives him more flexibility about it. Um, he adapts his game. He's good in possession. You know, he's got great energy. It, it's probably took him a little while to get up to the speed with Arsenal, but he's really grown in stature, isn't he? You know, everyone's talking about him. You know, you watch the Premier League games on TV and they're talking about him. He's excelling, he's showing up. So he's doing really well. And the good thing is you're getting him coming into the Scotland camp full of belief, full of confidence, really believing in what he's doing. And he will say, well, I'll play left centre-half because I've played there before. I'll play left wing, but I'll play wherever you want because he's feeling good about his game. And, you know, again, that's what Steve Clark wants. He wants happy players coming into his squad, knowing how the system's going to be, how they're going to play. And I think the relationship between him uh, and Andy Robertson is just going to get better. He's playing, John, of course, for one of your old teams, Arsenal. Yeah. And, and, you know, as I say, not just playing for them, but... but playing out of his skin at the moment for them and you did wonder for a while he picked up one or two injuries didn't he when he went down there he, he was in and out but he, but he's, I think since he's come back from injury this time it's maybe seven or eight games on the bounce um, and he's one of Mikel Arteta's best players and they took their time with him you know he didn't quite break in initially when he went down there it took a few months and they sort of bludgeoned him into the team slowly um, he had to pick his fitness levels up and he's he's played uh, as as the the gentleman said the caller Gordon um, Gordon, as Gordon said you know he, he's been outstanding for Arsenal you know he's so powerful up and down that left side and what I like about him what he's improved on is his delivery into the box he picks people out he doesn't just smash it across the face of the goal and almost say to your strikers oh get on the end of that I've done my job I've just hit it across. he actually picks people out and, so, and that's so, exactly what he did at the weekend uh, wasn't Odegaard, it? yeah, he's, yeah. He's, he's seen Odegaard running on to the ball against Spurs in a massive game you know the North London derby yeah. and he's just cut it back with the perfect weight and Odegaard then arrives onto the ball and it's, it's, it's another great finish but going back to Scotland when you've got two world class left sided players in Robertson and uh, Antini, you have to try and fit them both into the team. So Kieran Tini w- won't be concerned at all about playing left side centre centre half and allowing because as Craig's made a great point, you know when Robertson charges forward as a wing back, Kieran Tini will just naturally shuffle yeah, over. That works. Two clever players. You know they're very very intelligent players. They're playing for some massive clubs in the Premier League. With uh, John McGinn on the show last night talking to Mark Weedy, Gordon, and uh, this is what he was saying about his hopes for fans at Hamden in the summer. For all those fans that have travelled all around the world to see so many bad nights and to see so many nights who were so close, uh, they deserve to enjoy a major tournament and it would just be gutting if, if that opportunity taken away from us. We are understanding that, that it will be a tough call, but hopefully the call goes in our favour and, and we'll have fans in at Hamden for, for the first game. What do you think, Gordon? What's the the likelihood? Yeah, I have to say that over the past few months, I I don't know if this is just a sort of emotional defence mechanism, but I feel like I've almost kind of emotionally moved past the idea of attending these games. I mean, so long as the tournament happens, that is the most important thing as far as I'm concerned. And, you know, given some of the, the whispers around UEFA and maybe moving venues and stuff, so long as the games happen, so long as they're at Hamden, we will get to watch them, we will get to enjoy them. It was never going to be the way we dreamed it anyway, you know. I mean, oh, it, it'll be it'll be devastating if we can't go, but it, it, it is what it is at the end of the day. You know, we've, we've never had a global pandemic before during our major finals, but this, here we are. Yeah, this was Stevie Clark today on that same it subject. Would be a blow. Obviously, we, we, we have to be guided by the pandemic first and foremost is, is going to determine everything. There seems to be a little bit more hope around with the, with the vaccinations. We seem to be getting on top of it that way. I'm pleased to say that I got my first vaccination last week. So process, no no side effects, everything good. And it's going to be great if we can get a crowd into Hamden. I'd like to think that 
there will be enough time for the Scottish Government to convince UEFA that, that there will be a crowd there will be a crowd of sorts at Hamden whether it's a full house I don't think so the more we can get the better that's what we want yeah any fans um, would be good but uh, Gordon makes a fair point Let, let's not get, get ourselves too stressed out about fans or no fans because it's kind of out of our control uh, and we are celebrating being at the first finals for 23 years Craig's yeah, well, I think that's the bigger frustration that it's been 23 years and you think, wow, I've got two games at Hamden, wouldn't it be great to be there in some kind of numbers? Uh, you know, just looking at the, the, the noises coming today from the government and, and the plan moving forward and what UEFA are looking for, I, I generally believe there'll be a number of fans. It's, it's, you know, same as what Gordon says, how many we don't know. But I think just even for the Scotland players to have some sort of presence of the Tartan mm-hmm. Army in there would give them the left eye covered Northern Ireland against... Um, Bosnia in, in, in the playoff semi-final the, for the Euros we ended up losing the final but there was about 3,000 at the game mm. and just the sense the atmosphere was so much better the players got a lift you could see them getting carried away with it all so you know, players have been so long without any crowd so some sort of presence of the Tartan Army would be a huge psychological boost for the Scotland players There was talk um, which emerged today of uh, switching this first game I believe in discussions with UEFA and Austria we, we offered to flip the fixtures which is quite a fair offer because it would have meant that we were starting Austria away Israel away would have been a tough start but the problem that gave Austria was three home games in March and three away games in September and they decided with the logistics and I can see the reasoning why they didn't want three games away in September because we had the same in November and by the time we got to the Israel game the boys were pretty much emotionally and physically drained they must be confident that they can get a strong Austrian team on the pitch even without so many players from Germany We're not going to complain too much Gordon if uh, the Bundesliga players aren't part of that Austrian squad no, absolutely not. I mean, we, we, you, you play the hand you're dealt, that's all you can do. Um, although one, one interesting point that I've not seen discussed too much is that through the Nations League in this World Cup campaign, Austria are more or less guaranteed to get a playoff place because they won their Nations League group if they don't get a playoff through this World Cup campaign. Now, I felt that in the Euros campaign, knowing that we had, that Scotland had a playoff in our back pocket, regardless of how we did, I felt that affected our intensity. It certainly affected me as a fan. I didn't feel as worried as I did watching our games, knowing we had that safety net. So I do feel that if Austria maybe drops some points this month, you know, they've got a lot of away games in September and October, they could very well, if they, if they, if they lose touch of second place in the group, the difference between them finishing second or bottom of the group is negligible because they'll get a playoff anyway. And I wonder if that could affect their motivation going forward. So it makes it massively important that we take we take three points from them and that's some deep thinking Craig's would yeah. be proud of listen it's brilliant you know I think that's a very you know sensible way to look at it which makes it strange for me why they didn't just go for the three home games because any time I've been involved in a World Cup or Euro qualifying group if you get off to a good start you've got a real chance you know Austria having three home games okay you've got to go three away games in September deal with that when it comes along so I think it's a benefit to Scotland that they're going to be coming under strength and arriving at Hamden Park I think that gives uh, Scotland the onus to go and beat Austria get something in the second game in Israel and come and beat the Pharaohs you know then suddenly Scotland have the momentum and Austria you're talking about them being, de- uh, being demotivated they could be even more de- demotivated because the results haven't went their way so uh, I think Steve Clark forgot to throw in you know after the three away games that Scotland also had a party after the first game mm. so maybe the players were phys- psychologically tired yes. and drained and dehydrated and all that stuff went along with it so yeah. but yeah but I, I'm sure it was worth it and where Gordon is it's Christmas of course you've just opened your <laughs> opened your presents Gordon which was a, a nice little uh, way to think about the, the naming of that squad today good to have you on the show and we will talk to you again no doubt in the build up uh, 
to those three matches coming up and of course the Euros in the summer all the best to you Gordon cheers Gordon pleasure guys thanks cheers, for having Gordon. me bye bye Scotland's squad for Austria Israel and the Faroe Islands the Bull Radio Football Show Talking football is what we do Monday to Friday, 5 till 7. And we will be doing that self-same thing again tomorrow night. Paul Cooney, Barry Ferguson and Leanne Crichton on the show. Mark Guidi is back with us on Thursday. Made his debut last night. Craig Moore in the studio uh, with myself. And of course, uh, Thursday night is European night for Rangers and the return leg of that match uh, against Slavia Prague tonight. It's Champions League. It's a little interest to the two in the studio with me I have to say who are going to be watching Swansea and Glen Torren between them uh, they're not playing each other but uh, they feature in the games that Stephen Cragen and John Hartson are going to be watching tonight can't believe you're giving the Champions League a body swerve but uh, there we go Manchester City against Borussia Mönchengladbach tonight City 2 up and Real Madrid against Atalanta. We were talking about Scotland-Israel and uh, we were stressing a little, uh, Gordon Sheik and myself, um, about uh, that Israel game coming up. But then during the break, I found out that Wales are playing Belgium. Uh, first up, John Hartson, that's going to be a tough one for your boys. I will. The world's number one FIFA-ranked team. Um, I don't need to go through some of the superstars that Belgium have. But of course, you know, Sean Maloney is there with Roberto Martinez working yeah. away. Uh, doing a good job so no we start off with Belgium away and then um, they could be warming up for the Celtic the, job those two well the team that you play then in the um, in the Euros in your group the Czech Republic as well and in Scotland's group for the Euros yeah. so we'll have a good look at them we play them report oh, back I will do I, we, we, we play them and uh, that's that's away so we've got the two games next week I'll be covering for the Welsh language I speak you know the Welsh fluently for the give Welsh. us a quick blast um, well, we need wait at a train station or plan. Plan via the Pulkungal, go get a wind robo, plan the silly or go go go. I hope you didn't get us taken off air with that one. <laughs> um, but I don't understand it, so I can't really comment. Uh, Northern Ireland against Italy, Crags first yeah, up. We are. We've got Italy away, then we have a friendly in the middle fixture. I think we're home to the USA, and then we've got the big one for us is home to Bulgaria. I think if we don't come out with three points out of those two games, we could be in a little bit of trouble. It is Rangers against Slavia Prague um, on uh, Thursday night. It's 1-1 from the Czech Republic. Uh, after that save, John Hartson, from Alan McGregor. Brilliant save. Uh, in, in the contents of the game as well, I think you come away with a draw and a an away goal. You know, everybody's buzzing in the dress. You know, we feel as if you can, you can turn it around, you know, back at Ibrox on Thursday night. Mainly because of that save as well. But I, I didn't think... Slavia Prague, I thought they started the game really well. Um, the the boy Sancho... Is it Sancho? Is that it's what it Stanchu. was? Sancho. scored yeah. a wonderful yeah. goal. He was, he's a really good player. But what, we, Although so, Rangers stood off him and let him do it, didn't they? I mean, I it was still, good technique. Great technique. Yeah. He, he, brilliant. The way he struck it and across the goalkeeper. Alan McGregor was reaching it almost in the side netting so uh, but I, th- I think Rangers should fancy it at home you know they've got they've got the away goal as I said I didn't think an awful lot of Slavia Prague and if they can get through you know you look, look at the likes of Spurs a 2-0 up Arsenal a 3-1 up uh, Man United of course have to go to um, have to go to the the, the San Siro they're yeah. 1-1 with AC Ajax a 3-0 up uh, a lot of teams that are almost, you know, as good as through. Um, so, the, you know, Steve Gerrard will will be hitting it home that, you know, they're not through yet. They've yeah. got another ninety minutes against a team that, 
you know, uh, will know they'll face a tough game at Ibrox. So it's important that Rangers don't disappoint them. You'll be there, Craggs, um, yeah. having uh, done the commentary business on the the first leg, and and had you offered uh, Rangers a one-one draw after half an hour in the Czech Republic, they would have snapped your hand off. Well, they would have. Yeah, uh, I think they got better in the game. They were more competitive in the second half. It was all a bit. Uh, fast and furious in the first half they couldn't really make any passes they didn't get any flow to their play um, but then of course when they equalised then they, they started to grow and it kind of galvanised them a little bit you know they will be wary because Slavia Prague went to Leicester and won 2-0 you know and Leicester yeah. sitting second in the Premier League uh, they've been to Nice in their last uh, group game in the Europa League and they won so they will think they can go away from home and score they have to come and score which means they may have to open up a little bit more Rangers just keep themselves solid defensively and, and you know try and get through the game but it's definitely not over you know there was too many signs in that first game that they have threats they have good players in the team and if they're given space and Rangers aren't at it again but Rangers will have learned from it as well they will think we can't be as poor again as what we were in, in the opening 30 minutes if we can try and you know, press the game early on put ourselves in the front foot get our attacking players in, in the game there's absolutely no doubt they can win it you know there's no yeah. doubt about it at all they will look at that and think this is a game that we can go and win and I think if they don't they may have a tinge of regret because looking at the two teams what they've got I think Rangers are slightly better than them so you know they have to turn up and play their A game I thought Stephen Gerrard's interview afterwards was, was quite interesting John and quite illuminating as well in that he did suggest that Rangers had sat off a little bit sat off the game initially and let Slavia Prague do what they were doing and, and they effectively took charge and, 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 uh, and I think given, given the game again Stephen Gerrard would have been more positive mm-hmm. and, and more assertive with his Rangers team from the start rather than waiting to see what Slavia Prague were going to do Yeah but sometimes it's the natural thing to do as a team you know you, you, you go up against a team and all of a sudden you, you know within 10-15 minutes they're good players the areas that they're really good in what they're centre forwards like does he make runs in behind he, all of a sudden as, as many videos as you can watch you weigh it up when you when you step onto the pitch for you know in the opening minutes if you like but I think I, I don't think Rangers have to go gang ho on Thursday. They've got they got the one goal away goal advantage. You know, Slavia Prague have to score. That might suit Rangers in terms of they have to have a go at the game. They have to go and try and score a goal, and that that might leave them a little bit open at times for Rangers to go and counter attack with the likes of Haji and Morelos and Kent. You know, the danger players. The, you know, the Aribos. These guys who like to get forward for Rangers. I think you have to take into consideration. Rangers are a couple of nights out before the game. Yeah. Now I know that, that that's part of my professionalism. It still affects you. Yeah. And it looked as if it affected them in the opening 20, 30 minutes. They looked a little bit heavy legged. They were gasping for air. They were trying to get the freshness back into their play. Half time seemed to galvanise them. You know, it happened in Antwerp as well when Stephen Gerrard gave them a little prod and suddenly they came out the second half and they were better. I think that happened. Uh, last Thursday as well so the players will be fresh this week they've had a good week's training didn't play at the weekend Slavia Prague did albeit they've won but it's another 90 minutes under their belt they have to travel over to Scotland the, you know, Rangers will be fresh and in their faces putting them under more pressure this week so it's set up to be a great game They have got a great opportunity John don't they Rangers uh, to get through they've, they, they've laid the foundations with, uh, with that uh, result in the Czech Republic to, to get the job done this Thursday and, and Rangers fans listening in to this Will be, yeah, they'll, they'll be taking on board that Stephen Gerrard mantra of, you know, let's get one game sorted out at a time. But when you look beyond, there's not much to be worried about. 
No, there's not. And I think Rangers, are, are they showed in the game over in the Czech Republic that they can go and win this game. You know, they're the, they're the home team. Um, I think they're a better team than Slavia Prague. I know, I know Craig's was saying there, they beat Leicester on the road, they went and beat Nice. But at this stage, I think Rangers know what's at stake. There's a quarter-final place in the Europa League. There's some really juicy ties in there. Mm. We've mentioned Ajax. You know, Man United, but obviously AC Milan, possibly that's one-one. Arsenal, Tottenham, Arsenal, Spurs. You know, all of a sudden you come up against one of the big boys in the Premier League. You know, in the quarter-final, huge games to be involved in. And I think Rangers are good enough to go and win. I actually think man for man, they're better than Slavia Prague from what I saw in the last game. It's also coefficient points. Yeah, I think it counts for oh, 20, yeah. 22, 23 So yeah. uh, I think it's the two Ukrainian teams. It is, and they both lost. And they both lost. So the first if legs. they lose and go out, or even draw and go out, and Rangers could win, it suddenly you know just knocks a few more points on, which could look for uh, a guaranteed Champions League place. They're talking about yes. in 22, 23 Yeah, so it's, that's a huge bonus as well. Sure is. I mean, it's Shakhtar Donetsk and Dynamo Kiev, yeah. both beaten on the on the first legs. Rangers came back to draw in the Czech Republic. Like, which increased the Scotland's advantage over uh, Ukraine yeah. in those club European mm-hmm. rankings, uh, and it, and it is massive, John. It's a, a massive opportunity dawning potentially here for Scotland, as Craig says, that next season's champions could be straight into the the Champions League. Absolutely, it's all there to play for. The players are, will be aware of this, and it's all there. As I said, an automatic place into the champ. We've seen so many times over the years. You know, when you go into the Champions League qualifiers, that teams are already started their respective seasons. They're up and running. You're all of a sudden you you come up into it a little bit wanting for fitness and things like this. But if you get that automatic slot into the Champions League, what, what, what huge advantage that is! That, John, it's massive, massive, oh, yeah. massive financial huge money. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, considering when you're talking about Rangers, you know, Stuart Robertson said, but you know, we won't get time to go into it. Having to sell players. One or two this summer, yeah. and, and uh, Ross Wilson said, "Well, you know, that's not to be too hasty." Suddenly, if Champions League football is on the horizon, you think, "Do you know what? We don't have to sell anyone because yeah. we can keep our players because we know there's a big pot of gold coming." So, huge incentive. Yeah, that could make a a, a massive difference because um, you know that that's going to be a big issue come summertime. Uh, but for Celtic and Rangers, um, who do they have to sell? Can they keep all their their big? playing assets I mean Celtic are probably choosing to to shuffle things around Mm. Rangers might want to keep what they've got heading for the Champions League qualifiers yeah we we said this I think the last time I was on the programme I think Morelos might just think he might be able to play at a higher level Rangers supporters won't want to lose him Steven Gerrard might not want to lose him you know because he's very important to them but him himself he may well go and say look I fancy a, a shot at the Premier League I fancy you know he might be happy to stay at Rangers I don't know but in terms of Celtic I think there's a lot of there's a big turnaround I think that that is needed there the loan players will will obviously go back to their respective clubs Edouard I believe will leave let's talk about Aya leaving um, you know so you yeah. re- and, and Celtic have to replace these players thanks John thanks Craigs uh, we are back uh, tomorrow on the Goat Radio Football Show. Uh, Paul Cooney, Barry Ferguson, and Leanne Crichton live from five. The Goal Radio Football Show. Let's go. 
Feel the heat of the game, the crunching tackles, the near misses and diving headers. Feel the drive from the sidelines. Feel the passion of your captain. Feel the celebrations. Feel the last-minute heartache and the penalty save that changes everything. Feel the heat of the game from the comfort of your own home with OPC Energy Limited. For more information on heat pump servicing and breakdowns, renewable energy and more, visit opc-ltd.uk. Thank you.